0: You are listening to The Massive Report Podcast.
1: And we're back. And we said we were going to be back last week with The Massive Report Podcast live from... Well, not live. We are live, but you listening probably aren't listening to this live unless Sam's doing something. If you are, don't... it's
0: impressive. Yeah,
1: you must be in the other room.
2: I'm, I mean, I could, but yeah, I don't that's feel a lot like it.
1: But uh, we are... We, we said we were going to be back from Saucy Brewworks at third in Michigan. Can we say Michigan this week?
2: You can say Michigan. Oh, okay, cool.
1: Uh, and we are. We weren't sure whether we would be talking, well, end of the season. I was sure. Well, I was yes. pretty
0: sure too, actually.
1: I mean, we all picked the crew to win, so I mm-hmm. guess we were confident enough in that. But anyway, the crew did win. None of us picked the correct score, I don't believe. And I don't think anyone picked extra time. I did say penalty kicks, but regardless, the crew advance, beating Orlando on the road. Um, away records in the playoffs that everyone had discussed for these last few weeks be damned. 2 0. The black and gold are into the Eastern Conference Finals. It seems just like when they make the playoffs, this is what they do. Uh, we'll play FC Cincinnati, who won 1 0, controversially, yeah. against uh, Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Union on Saturday evening. I. I'm going to let you guys pick. Do you want to talk crew first, or do you want to talk about FC Cincinnati oh, crew first? for sure. Right. Yeah, That's what 100%. I thought, but I just wanted, if you had any Cincinnati takes you wanted to get out early, um, but we will talk about there will be takes. Yeah, we've yes. got them.
3: <laughs> so, You're just going to have to wait and listen, folks. This is, yeah, you know, you got to get your vegetables first, and then you get dessert.
1: <laughs> I like that. Uh, but so the crew go down to Orlando, played what was... A back-and-forth game. Uh, both teams had chances. Orlando gets a red card in the second half. The crew, I didn't think, handled being up a man as well as they probably should have. But go to extra time, get two goals from second extra time substitute, Christian Ramirez, and then the sealer from Cucho Hernandez in the second extra time period. Just your, your initial thoughts on kind of the performance from both of you.
0: So probably about 10 years ago, I'm kind of guessing here. I'm not exactly sure. But I'm, I I believe I was at Channel 4, working at Channel 4 here in town at the time. But the U.S. played Argentina in an international friendly. And the game finished 0-0. And I, it was the best 0-0 game I think I'd ever watched in my entire life. Um, kind of early days of Leo Messi. Um, and uh and Michael Bradley put Leo in his pocket and it still was a crazy game it was super awesome and then that got kind of uh that one got bumped out after 90 minutes that was the best 0-0 game i can remember and i think it it, it beats that us men's national team game against argentina from probably like 2010 or so um it was in my mind it was mls postseason soccer at its best. And in every possible way, I thought Orlando uh, acquitted, uh, you know, kind of acquitted themselves um, pretty well. I think it's, you know, come postseason, it it has a way of um, you know, kind of creating heroes and creating villains. And I think in that game, uh, we we saw a, a Columbus crew player kind of some, you know, Come out of um, what's been kind of an odd, awkward season, and and you know, kind of really showcase himself as uh, in an individual performance that is something that I don't think will crew fans will forget forever. And and that Patrick Schulte performance and goal, and and what he was able to do late is is legendary stuff from a kid who's barely old enough to buy beer, and the. I know that, you know Christian Ramirez putting it in with you know the you know coming into the game after not seeing the field and uh, you know getting the the game winning goal in a crazy kind of junky garbage goal fashion and then Cucho finishing emphasis on junk junk yeah <laughs> I was trying to find a way to say that without saying it um, and then Cucho obviously finishing from you know from Tampa um, but to me it's it's the it's like there used to be kind of like a running gag uh, amongst Cleveland Browns beat media for years and years and years um, in the kind of the mid to late 2000s. And then it kind of you know, periodically pops up here and here and there where everyone they would call it like the Dwayne Rudd game. Or mm. uh, the Derek Anderson game, if mm. everyone remembers, if, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, that that Bengals game, uh, Bengals-Browns game from, like, 2009, where Derek Anderson mm. threw six touchdown passes. And it was, like, 65-61, like 61 and the Browns beat Carson Palmer and the Bengals. I believe
2: that was on Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken. Right
0: around then, yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, there there was like, you know, the the who insert Browns player here game. And it was kind of like a running gag, running, running bit. But that was the Patrick Schulte game for me. And it's something that we'll all remember forever. It was uh, just an absolute magnificent night. And we managed to see, uh, I think, if you were to say, you know, at the beginning of this postseason, that there was going to be a kind of this moment for uh, an individual player in a massive, you know, postseason playoff game that this person was going to rise to the occasion, I would have made a Kevin Molino joke.
3: Yeah, I, I thought and that's where you are
0: going. And then automatically, going kind of like, no, but seriously, it's probably Cucho or Darlington Nagy or one of those people. Patrick Schulte Shult- would have literally been last uh, on the list in my mind. And so the fact that he went out there and did what he did, uh, was, was spectacular. It's, it's on the Mount Rushmore of Columbus crew goalkeeping performances as far as I'm concerned. And he's the reason why they're, why mm-hmm. we get Hell is Real Part 3, the biggest Hell is Real game that we've had so far to date.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, obviously we knew that um, uh, we, we've seen a lot of Patrick Schulte this year. We knew that uh, the team had confidence in them to get give you, you know, at least – close to, if not, you know, uh, uh, the same level of production, albeit maybe, you know, from a different sum of what he's good at, uh, as, as you got from Aloy Room, made Aloy expendable. Uh, yeah. But that was exquisite shot-stopping. I mean, just... And, and, and I think he's, he's been a pretty underrated shot-stopper here, but there's... You, you want a keeper, you want a goalie to make every... You know, the saves that they're supposed to, right? To give you that chance to win... But when you make one of those saves that is is, is spectacular, like the two or three that he made on top of that. I mean, just that that one from the the, the, the tight angle there uh, in the uh, uh, final minutes of uh, the first or second half. I mean, just... Absolutely incredible. We thought it ricocheted off the post yeah. and into him. It's like, no, a bomb replay. That was all Schulte. Um, and, you know, that, that he is able to make those saves, that's got, got to just give you so much confidence because, like, you know that he can compete and he's going to, he's not just going to give you a chance to win, he's going to give you a chance to steal games. He's going yeah. to steal games for you. From that. And I'm not saying that, that he stole that game for them because I, I still think. You know, they they obviously deserve uh, to win the result. They they put themselves in position to be a man up. Um, uh, You know, Orlando may have had a couple guys that that, uh, could have seen red through that game. Um, uh, uh, The way they were especially targeting, um, as we're seeing, to be a kind of consistent theme. And I wouldn't be surprised to see um, Come Hell is Real Part 3 um, uh, uh, targeting uh, uh, Aiden Morris, who absolutely bossed. The midfield, yeah. uh, you know, just put on a clinic and
2: and almost scored one yeah. hell of a goal. Oh yeah. yes,
3: and, and then of course has the set up, yeah on the you know the, the game winner, um, uh, playing up you know further that then we're then you know we've seen him probably been playing consistently uh, since the you know first third of the season. Um, but you just had so many you know players executing at a high level, um, and I was encouraged to see as well. You know, I think there's i would have i think i think there's you know some people that could say uh uh, uh would have liked to see some of the substitutions a bit earlier um in the uh 90 minutes um i think there's something to be said about you know what christian ramirez said after game by the way uh, congratulations christian um uh, yep. new son Cashborn today i believe or at least first shared today um uh, uh said he had to you know get back home because his wife was in labor about to go to labor after scoring that goal but um uh, I would have liked to see maybe that Christian Ramirez sub a little bit earlier uh, to potentially finish this in the 90 minutes. Um, and he, he mentioned, you know, that he saw that the, the the middle was kind of, you know, being left open. Um, the, the, uh, the, the front attacking three were kind of staying around the outside. And so he said, you know, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to go just straight on goal. Um, and good things happen usually when you put – Players, especially a guy like Christian Ramirez, who can score with any part of his body at any given time, um, uh, right in the you know that six-yard box. So um, I thought that was encouraging. But just how how this team you know played well defensively after when when Wilfried did make some defensive subs. How your boy Kevin Molino, um, you know, put in a, a, a good relief appearance and you know gets an assist on that Cucho dagger. Um, there's just so much to be uh, uh encouraged about um with this team and and it was you know but but for kind of that Schulte save it never really felt that unnerved for me I don't know you know it was a really it was a really good zero zero you know zero ninety game, but especially after you know they got the man went the man up, I just felt like. They should have finished it in the 90 minutes, but that it was a foregone conclusion with the way they'd been playing already, that if if you take an Orlando player out of the mix, that they're going to solve this problem, and they did. Yeah. Statistically, the crew had 56% of the possession.
1: I mean, Orlando was playing counterattack a lot of that game, especially yeah. even before they got the, the red card. Yeah. Expected goals, if you're into that type of thing. 2.36 for the crew, 1.33 for Orlando. Total shots, 20 for the crew, 13 for Orlando, big chances. I'm not sure how you define big chances necessarily, but two to one in favor of the crew. Um, 13 fouls for the crew, 17 for Orlando, seven to six on corners in favor of the crew. So look at fairly even game. I mean, I think obviously the red cards changes things from an orlando perspective and you know you're, you're kind of adjusting there and hoping to get to extra time and probably just hoping to get the penalty kick so they yeah. did mm-hmm. have uh have some chances what did you make of the crew after going up a goal because i felt like it felt caleb portery you know and i don't know if that was necessarily the intent to sit back and you know absorb orlando i felt like they could have just possessed like not that the crew is manchester city it's obviously a very different level but they want to play that possession attacking style, right? And Manchester City, who, let's be clear, has a significant talent advantage over almost every team they play, and that's not the case in MLS for the crew, but they do have players that can keep the ball, and they didn't do a great job
0: of that to just kill off the game, which you know, could be concerning going forward. This is something that I think is that I had this conversation with some, some friends during the game, um, and it's it's one of those inex, you know, inexplicable phenomenons that I don't that I think bit, that I think is extremely unique to soccer, and uh, and I think it happens at every level. I think if you mm-hmm. put Manchester City against Bretwood in this situation, the same thing happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the phenomenon is that a team can dominate the ball in yeah. possession. Both from a philosophical standpoint and mm. how they want to play on the kind of a you know ten thousand foot view, but also individually in into in specific games, and then all of a sudden when when you have to hold on to a lead, it just goes away, and I can't, no one can really explain it, um, because they tr- it looked like the crew tried to possess the ball, and just couldn't, and I think there's something about the way. The game, capital G game, is played. The the humanness um, and the sense of urgency that comes mm. from, you know, being down a goal in a situation that you absolutely have to have the goal or you're done. The sense of urgency that teams gain from being in that position mm-hmm. outweighs any yep. and all yep. philosophical and 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 f- philosophical, you know, kind of wants and desires. And then in a lot of ways, I think also somewhat technical ability of of who you might be playing. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, it's it's a w- crazy thing. It, it you know, we've seen it happen to Brazil in the World Cup. Like it's it's one of those things oh. that like. I've, I've heard, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson has talked about this in, in the past and, and, um, and I think, it, I believe it's where the phrase squeaky bum time came from <laughs> or, or that original quote um, is literally referencing this kind of specific thing that no, in, in the minds of world soccer, world football, have never been able to really wrap their minds around or get their arms around as to why this happened, but does. And... Um, It was I can't say I was surprised, but it is one of those things where it's like it's so frustrating because it's like you're up a man. This is what you've done all year. Put your foot on the ball and end this bleeping thing. But there's just something about the way the game is played on a human level that it just doesn't seem to happen. Um, And I think when you add into the fact that Orlando is a very emotional team with the you know Oscar Perea and the, you know, the poppy, right, like that they all call him, and, the, you know, the the name, like the nickname, and the, the, the kind of the emotional resonance that the guy kind of has, and the gravitational kind of nature in which he manages the emotions of players, that I'm not entirely surprised to see them kind of rise to the occasion and really put the crew under pressure despite being down a guy. Uh, I just think it's kind of a nature of the game. And so, in my mind, it's not one of those things that's not nece- it's not necessarily concerning to mm-hmm. me because I think it happens to yeah. everybody. If it yeah. can happen to Brazil in the World Cup, or in the Confederations Cup, which is the one I'm kind of referencing, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, it, but it, I, I guarantee it's happened to them in, in in massive games in the past. It can happen to anyone, and so it's there's just something about it that I think is fascinating and, and kind of interesting. But on a to kind of peel back a, a layer of that, the. The thing that i I was really impressed with from the crew was that uh it felt like they were they got overextended a couple different times during that period when they were up one zero and and yet they managed to mo Farsi the the running for mo is outrageous and I, i don't know how you don't put him on the field let's get don't say too much I want to get back to the, but, the mo conversation what I'm saying him. is that like w- the, the, the the some of the some of the the gumming up of of orlando's build up in those moments is literally due to the fact mo has like i don't know like two hearts in his body and, and is able to you know you know rapidly turn over oxygen into fuel and 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 whatever um, you know in, in terms of the running the engine is just I, I, it's like it's Kelly O'Hara like, man. I don't even know where to begin. It's it, obviously it's it's a, it's next level kind of stuff. But um, they got some really great individual moments in those kind of stressful kind of high pressure situ in that, that stressful and high pre- pressure situation. Obviously, Patrick Schulte, Mo Farsi d- does some some really crazy, you know, stuff going on in there. Rudy Camacho wins a couple headers that I felt like were really high leverage situations. He was a, he was a beast. Um, mm-hmm. against guys who were bigger and taller than yeah. him. Um, and, and so I think you're emboldened by everything that we witnessed uh, in those kind of crucial moments. And then when it comes time to, to take a situation like they got, you know, to take advantage of a situation with the second goal where the ball gets headed out, Molino could have very easily turned and just kicked that thing into Timbuktu and Gillespie gobbles it up, and boom, they're right back at it. How many times did we see that happen under Caleb Porter? Mm-hmm. All the time, right? Instead, he picks his head up, he looks up, gets a guy on his hip, turns out the other way, and finds Cucho, and then Cucho does you know, something special at that point, right? Um, and I don't know get, how special it was. He oh. just... I mean, it was good, but he. But you, I mean, you got to hit the target from sixty do, yards. You do, which you, I don't think is easy under the under the most you know normal circumstances. No, but that's why you pay him that money. Well, I agree, and 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 I think also uh, like if I'm Orlando, I'm still kind of wondering why Gillespie is where he is. But yeah, again, I think something. that's you're, you know, pulling the goalie. That's like. that's that's also the you know that you've been used to that if you're an Orlando City fan because mm-hmm. the man is maybe the best shot stopper in MLS and also the worst shot stopper in MLS like his analytics don't the, the, make any the sense the Cage effect oh my gosh it don't, <laughs> they don't make any sense he's a rebound machine but also he makes saves that he no one is. else that, that, uh, that's one of the things I noticed yeah it, it's it's one of those things where like Jim Curtin has talked about in the past where they like you shoot as much as you possibly can, and it probably means he gets better as the game goes on. So it's like you're you're almost like feeding the the, the beast, but you also might get like a good you know chance coming back at you. But like in general, I think it, they they rose to the occasion, both collectively and individually, and they did it with also subs on the field from guys who hadn't played a ton. And I think that was to me. I don't I don't I don't know if you. I don't know if there's a better kind of situation or example in which you gain more confidence. Uh, because I, I thought they checked every box. They 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 rose to the to the moment and, and that's what you want to see from a, a a kind of demand to see from championship caliber teams.
1: I agree with you. I think look we saw the stats. I think Fox was the first one. That's to put a very it out. roundabout answer. Probably. Yeah. Well, Sorry. that's, you know, that's what that's you do. It's also kind of what I do. Yes. And uh, and it's still but there was a lot of good information in that. Um, but the hey, my mom, the, <laughs> you did a great job. Right? Continue. Sorry. That's a conversation for another day Fair enough. and Fair probably enough. a Fair different enough. podcast. But uh, look, I think we all know we've seen. I think Fox, was the first one to put it out, the, the road record for the crew in the playoffs, which I think is unfair, given some of the overall results Mm -hmm. that they've had Um, but this was a you needed to go out and win this game in a place where you obviously we talked last week had that Mm -hmm. pretty bad collapse not too long ago so you know I think however they got it done was all that mattered right it's Mm -hmm. the playoffs you just have to win
2: they did what I hoped like what I mentioned last week though is that they went in there they played differently than they played that game that they lost Mm 4-3 and it showed and and that was definitely aided by by a great game by Patrick Schulte, but it showed that they were playing in a very different way.
1: Well, and they talked yeah. on the broadcast about, like, the crew being a bit more gritty, I think mm-hmm. was the word that... Uh, I don't know if it was Maurice Adu or... I don't know who the other... Keith Cost. There you go. Mm-hmm. I recognize the voice, but sometimes I don't know the names. Fox um, Soccer... The OG Fox Soccer Channel. Yeah, remember yeah right. But uh, they talked about them playing a bit more gritty, and I think they did, and, like, look... You have to have that in your arsenal, and that's one of the things I was concerned about about this team defensively was in the playoffs, can you gut out a performance defensively? And look, Patrick Schulte, game of his life maybe, helps yeah. make that a little bit easier, but you still, you know, they had some good plays defensively. We talked about Camacho. I thought he mm-hmm. was huge for this team.
3: That Stephen Morera tackle.
1: Yep. Oh, yep. boy. Um, I mean, guys made plays, and, you know, Stephen Morera is... Gassed, and you bring in um, Sean Zawatsky, who, look, has been very good this year, mm-hmm. but this is the biggest moment of his young professional mm-hmm. career. And he has to come in in this position that he's gotten more comfortable with throughout the season, but like, still isn't his natural position and helps see out a game. And he's able to do that. Um, you bring in Chiberko. I was just going to say, yeah. Chiberko, who'd hardly played, but Malte. I believe
0: it's Shaberko who wins the header that falls I to Molino. Molino so then, the then finds Cucho and scores. But
1: Malte as good as he's played this year, this was not his best game. They kept getting in behind mm-hmm. uh, him, and that's where a lot of those chances came. Not saying
0: that, you know, he's still, I think, a very good player and a and good addition. And you didn't
2: see him go up nearly as much no. this game mm-hmm. and than, then like, the previous three or four games.
0: One of the things that I thought was kind of interesting there was it it felt a little bit like their ability to get in behind, um, behind Amundsen was due in part to them kind of kicking the crap out of Aiden in the midfield, mm-hmm. where there wasn't a ton of ball pressure in that mid block that allowed them to play balls out the other side. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tweeted this during the game, the like protect Aiden Morris, and it was kind of like a mm-hmm. kind of like a joke. But on some level, I think it's actually true now um, <laughs> that it's pretty obvious that there's that there that teams are identifying something on tape in the past in in, in the film from from this season. Where maybe Aiden is faded a little bit after some physicality, and so I think there's teams are like we're gonna we're gonna try and turn him over because we think he's like a weak link or something. I don't really know because I don't think there's in my mind I, I can't really think of a situation or, or a, a game or or even like a, a handful of plays where he's shown that. Um, so I kind of don't really understand. But if if I was if I was Tim Bezbachenko and if I or or Wilfred Nancy, I would be sending. MLS, and whoever the pro league liaison is now, I'm not even Mm -hmm. sure. Basically, every clip of Aiden Morris getting fouled that didn't result in a yellow card. And being like, okay, there's like 12 of these that have happened over the last four games. Like, if this was... Elie and LAFC, one foul, yellow card, right? I mean, Darlington. If if this is Darlington-Nagby, one foul, yellow card. If this is Dax McCarty, one foul, yellow card, right? Why is a guy who's, you know, slowly climbing up the list of, like, most valuable prospects in MLS not getting the protection that he absolutely deserves? Not necessarily from, like, a LeBron kind of, like, oh, you get fouls, but, like, because this dude for whatever reason, seems to be on the receiving end of the, what is very obviously a targeting mm-hmm. situation from opponents that feel like they can leverage the physicality in, to, to their advantage. Well, and the, the one... It's frustrating. The one in the first half
1: was... he. Now, you know, if you're frustrated because you think Aiden Morse got away with a foul right before that, fine. But he just, I mean, it wasn't even a play. It was off the ball. You know, he passed yeah. the ball already. And I forget who the who the midfielder was, but just came up and clo I mean, it was a football yeah. tackle more than anything. Like that's an automatic yellow card, regardless right. of who the player is, regardless of. And like, I get that you're, you know, the referee is trying to keep things in check, and he's probably like, yeah, I probably missed one there, but you still have to give a card. I mean, you yeah. can't you can't just do that to a guy. It doesn't matter, who, you know, how many years you've been playing, what your position, any of that. And I agree with you. I think they need to be. This is something I think. Is is a good thing to ask Wilfried about this week? Just you know, how are you handling this? Yeah. And like, what is? I think Aiden. I have no doubt that he is fine, and you know, he's you could
0: tell he whatnot, was but. by the third or fourth one. Though you could tell he was like, "All right, what right. the f is yeah. going on?" I just mean here? he'll handle it fine. Well, no, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. And and where it, you could tell that, and there was a frustration thing, and that's where I kind of felt like that's where it, it went, and the light bulb kind of went off in my brain, like. How many times did we see back yeah. during the Stevie Lennart era where teams <laughs> would try to spin Stevie up and get him to punch someone and get off the field? And oh, by the way, that worked a lot. Yeah, it worked it, with the Crew, and it worked when sure mm-hmm. shit worked when he was of San Jose. No offense, much love and respect to my boy Lenny, but like it happened all the time. And uh, I mean, ask Alan Gordon, like mm-hmm. who has the, no one, no one, maybe is better in MLS in terms of OG kind of that. Crazy era of MLS in terms of stories than, than Ag, but like I talked about it in the past, and no one is a bigger fan than Stephen Leonard and now Gordon, mm-hmm. where they literally would go at him because they knew he would go fucking crazy if after the third or fourth foul. Right. And it looked like to me that by like the third or fourth one, it was like Aiden was like ready to like really get mm-hmm. after the ref, or in a situation that puts him in a position to um, you know basically be disciplined for for something that wasn't his fault in the first place, yep. right? And so I think, I said this in the last pod, and, and um, I, I, it, still, it still doesn't make much sense to me. I, like the reluctance to give yellow cards mm-hmm. in terms of setting precedent for, for, for the you know the, the severity of fouls, it, it makes no sense to me because reluctance is still setting yep. precedent, yep. right? And it's not what they teach at any level in, in refereeing it's not. It, it's there. There. There is no. There's subjectivity in terms of foul severity, mm-hmm. but there. But there is no. There is no subjectivity in terms of your reluctance to 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 change the game by giving cards. That's mm-hmm. not how it works. Like the rules are the rules. Yeah. And we've now seen this two. Two different, you know, kind of steps in the postseason where there has been outright refusal to give, like by the book, standard boilerplate, like fucking yellow cards to the same guy Mm -hmm. because you because for for because you don't want to change the game when in fact that's actually changing the game. It makes no sense, and I think it like. Uh, my my frustration level with it is kind of at a 10 at this point because the fa- it, it's very obvious that teams are identifying it as a, as a part of the game plan. And the fact that he, he's not necessarily getting any reciproca- re- reciprocal kind of protection from the refs, mm-hmm. who should be watching the previous games leading, coming right. into that one, who should be aware of what's going on in the past, and they're obviously not... Uh, he needs to be protected in this FC Cincy game, and I wouldn't be su- I wouldn't be totally surprised. And maybe this is giving Pro a little bit more credit than they deserve. And this is, and we'll get into this when we get into the FC Cincy stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a marker down relatively early in this in, in this Eastern Conference Final if Aiden Morris gets fouled relatively, you know, badly in the first half.
3: Yeah, I think teams. I wouldn't, are,
0: I wouldn't mind seeing the pendulum swing the other way.
3: I think teams also, you know. Because I think a lot of teams, you know, we've, we've talked about how I uh, uh, I think when Wilfried Nancy, you know, he doesn't want to really game plan around other teams and other players and he wants to dictate the play. And I think a lot of teams approach crew saying like, look, we aren't going to be able to impose our will and just worry about, you know, what we do and play just our game. So what can we do to throw them off theirs? And, and again, if we can... Let's break Stop it up. them from, up. exactly, yeah. just dominating the midfield. And I think there's, you know, one, I, I, I think, you know, maybe they do see something uh, about Aiden that makes them think, you know, he's a marker and that we can get under his skin. But I think there is also a lot of, it, there's, there's a lot of, I think they're reading into and probably being validated by referees who are saying, look, he, this is still a young guy who has improved because they know that they would not get away with that if they were doing that against Darlington. Yeah. And Darlington, I think, maybe might be a softer target otherwise. You know, right. uh, uh, he, now he'll also <laughs> completely beat you with a turn. Yeah. And, uh, 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 but but Aiden has shown that he can do that. Yeah. And I think what's encouraging most about this is that it is not manifesting in Aiden, at least so far in what we've seen, uh, certainly in this last game, in him you know, getting, uh, 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 getting a stupid foul, right. um, it is manifesting in him saying, I must break you. Like, and, and just putting on an absolute clinic, winning every ball, getting, you know, every dribble, p- completing, you know, 95% of his passes, you know, key passes, passes in the attacking third, getting down there, you know, along the, that six-yard line to play a ball in for a game winner Um, yeah. after he's already ran his butt off for 95 minutes.
0: it's It does feel a little bit like piss him off at your yeah, own peril. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, the exactly. You won't that, like him when he's angry. Exa- the, the fact that he picked the ball up, uh, on the Christian Ramirez goal um, which by the way the 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 the, the, ta- the to to win the ball back where they want it yeah like basically top corner yeah. of the penalty and box. then the the one two out the other side from Cucho is a piece of skill by the way that like kind of I now that I've watched it probably four or five times like I don't know how he manages to get the ball out of his feet with the outside of his right foot while his body is facing like the opposite direction it kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It's next level technical ability and athleticism. It's crazy stuff. But the, um, the, the, the fact that it's Aiden Morris who's mm-hmm. picking up what is essentially an overlap on that play, like homeboy shouldn't be there yeah. like you know what i mean like you should be like back at the mm-hmm. edge of the 18 you know trying to collect any any second balls that come out your legs are probably a little bit beat up and you're tired and instead he's basically touch tight to the end line mm-hmm. it, like is is just outrageous outrageous stuff and 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 then on top of that he he plays a dynamic ball that that ends up in you know ends up a goal so can't say enough about the guy um you know, when I think, you know, it, it could kind of take from a like a 10,000 foot view a little bit. Like we had a, there were like, what what more do you want to see coming into it you know, from Aiden Morris coming into the 2023 season? It's like, oh, well, you know, be more involved in the final third score goals, get assists like, mm-hmm. you know, he's still check, you know, check, you know, check, yeah. check, right? Like he's met every kind of benchmark in terms of like the things that he hadn't shown prior to this season. And. Uh, he's he's uh, the, the the complete all around central midfield meal you know central midfielder in in MLS he's a top three guy as far as I'm concerned top five guy uh, and you know the crew have two of the top five. five it's it's crazy stuff his value now I don't even know what it what it is but it's probably um, you know significantly into the seven figures maybe even eight mm-hmm. at this point point. Um, and I think we're we're. We're, it's been so it's been it's been kind of weird and you know this is something that we've talked about a little bit It's been kind of a frustration uh, from the Caleb Porter era in terms of the lack of development of individual guys and I think Caleb deserves some credit for, for putting Aiden on the field when he did <clears throat> but it's been real it's been really refreshing to me to watch a crew player kind of grow and and, 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 and really reach uh, and then exceed in a lot of ways really high expectations um from like a youth development standpoint it's been pretty special and um you know he he's uh, like an absolute you know
2: just
0: i don't even like absolutely like demigod right now Mm -hmm. uh, in in my mind and the fact that he's i think barely 22 is like Still kind of, like, hard to, to really kind of wrap my brain around. He's, he's an all-around player. The mentorship from Darlington Nagby, I think, has been absolutely crucial. Um, there's no one better to learn in, in, in the league than, you know, from him. And, and he deserves, you know, but Aiden deserves all the credit in the world for kind of always kind of trying to reach that next level. And he's absolutely done that so far. Speaking
1: of a young guy, <clears throat> not a guy that came to the academy, but you mentioned him earlier, Mo Farsi uh starts over julian gressel Mm. and you know i think we kind of saw this coming Mm -hmm. given the the last game but you know gressel's a guy a an established mls veteran Mm. who when they brought him in they were very excited about and the the anticipation (laughs) was okay here's your right wing back go um mo has started arguably the two biggest games of the season these last uh two matches (laughs) Uh, He played 120 minutes, he was 44 of 47 passing, creating one chance. He had 72 touches in the attack, three in the box, uh, was 5 for 5 on accurate long balls, one clearance, five recoveries, won four of six ground duels, was fouled twice and committed one foul while running the length of the pitch 9,072 times. Based on my uh, very
0: basic, I would uh, guess he ran he Mm -hmm. ran upwards of of nine miles in that game. If I I would guess or eight miles, he might have even gotten into the nine. I'd be I I I would love to to get their readouts uh, from the the crew training staff because I bet you I bet he gets close to nine in that game. Yeah. I mean, he was he was all up and down the sideline and it wasn't just running
1: like he he's running with a purpose, Mm -hmm. which I think last year when he would come into games and even some with crew, two, like he didn't always know where to be or like Mm -hmm. either offensively or defensively. And and just because he could run, he would end up in some good positions and could do some good things. Uh, Now he seems to kind of grasp where to be more. And it goes back to what we said with. Uh, what Wilfried Nancy said before the season with Aiden Morris about he runs too much. Mm-hmm. and I imagine, though I've not heard Wilfried say this, that there's been similar teaching with a guy like that of like, yes, you can run all day. And like, we're going to need you to because you're it's obviously a different position in mm-hmm. central midfield. But we're going to need you to, to be purposeful with your runs. You're going to. And there was one in particular on an overlap where at least on the screen, yeah, he wasn't in the screen. He was on that side of the field. And you could see as soon as the ball came kind of wide-ish, he recognized, okay, I've got to go. And I don't even think he got the ball, but he took the defender with him, which opened space for, for other people. And, like, you don't always get it rewarded for making lung-busting runs like that, but it's important nonetheless, and he is doing that. I still think his service could be a little bit better and, and things like that, but for a young guy who is you know really his first season in MLS, um, first full season in MLS. It's impressive that he's being called upon in, in these big
3: moments. And, and and I think you know one thing that has to be said is that I, I think Mo has been, you know, a pretty much spectacular the entire season. I mean given the jump that he made up from this year. To you know, holding down a starting position until they re- acquired a Julian Gressel, and I don't think the Julian Gressel acquisition—I never looked at it—is necessarily um, uh, uh, them saying you know that that we aren't happy with Mo and what we're yeah. getting from Mo. It's that you've got a chance to get Julian Agreed. Gressel, yeah. um, and uh, and he's a guy that you think will work perfectly in your system. And Mo, you know, uh, is is the you know odd man out in that scenario. Um, but I think what he, uh, I think he's, you know, been motivated from that. Um, cause, cause he's a guy who started what probably played, you know, started every game for crew two last year. Um, had been starting every game for crew this season, but until uh, uh, up until that point. Um, and he, he's, he gives you that, that, that floor, I think is just, the difference, and I think that's again why I still think there's something with Gressel. I think he's, you know, some some sort of little nagging injury, um, or that he's at least not a hundred percent. But I think Wilfried Nancy is also saying, like, look, Mo's not a uh, is not, you know, uh, hurting us in any of these. At least in these yeah. last couple games, I'm not going to mess with something that ain't broke, and. You know, you cannot, uh, uh, you can't, you can't teach work rate. And that is what he's got. You know, you can't teach compete. And that's one of those things that you always, you know, I'll take skill. I'll take skill to like, you know, uh, all, all, all in all being equal. But if it's, you know, consistency versus work rate, I'm, I'm going to go with the guy with a higher work rate. And I think Mo gives you a higher floor. Um, then Julian Gressel gets you. And uh, uh, he's got that, that, you know, if he can refine those, and that's asking a lot. I don't think he'll ever be the guy that can provide the quality of service that you get from Julian Gressel. Um, but I think he can, if he can just refine his play a little bit more in the um, attacking third, and that final third, and to your point, you know, Pat, kind of take that, that, that Aiden Morris step of, okay, I'm going to be a little bit more um, uh, uh, intentional about when I use this speed. He's going to, you know, entrench himself in that position. And really, um, uh, uh, I I think he's, you know, it'll be really interesting to see. Obviously, we've got some games left, um, uh, but it'll be interesting to see what, you know, decisions Tim Desbachenko and this team you know, find themselves making in the offseason, especially if Mo Farsi, you know, again, and even if it's more re, as much a result of, of uh, 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 Julian Gressel not being 100%, if Mo Farsi, you know, starts the remainder
0: of the games in this postseason. Uh, you know, the, uh, well, I think they, I think uh, the crew missed Julian in, in terms of during the buildup in their Orlando game. A little bit um the uh there were there were a couple situations in that kind of final third the attacking third that I thought ball at his feet Julian Gressel creates something where Mo Farsi did not um that's where the criticism and like if, if you, you could even call that a criticism I think ends uh for me in that game um the uh, I, f- I don't know how you take him out of the starting lineup at this point, um, especially given what you're going to see from Cincinnati down their left side with Alvaro Barrial, who should be the MLS defender of the year, but, but, and, but he's not. His teammate, had, you know, <laughs> locker room storming, um, you know, referee insurrectionist Mad Miazga uh, somehow won that. But, um, I think you want in, in in somewhat a similar vein what what mo Farsi was able to do to caleb wiley in the atlanta that that third game in uh, against atlanta in terms of pinning a, a left back back who wants to be forward that's essentially what he mo's gonna have to do with barrial now it's a little bit different it uh, the technical ability there from barrial is way 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 better um but, like, the, in terms of the profile, like, uh, and, and kind of the, um, you know, the specific profile you want in that kind of head-to-head player 1v1 matchup, it's, I don't, I don't know how you take Mo Farsi out of that. Um, and, and I, what's, what's kind of crazy to me is that, um, you know, I still think Julian Gressel, and I agree with Bart that I think there's something there physically, but I, I think with what you know, what Julian provides in that in that attacking third is still like you know the only top three in the league, probably. Um, but the but the 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 profile that Mo provides is, I think. Um, Kind of boilerplate in terms of what what we've seen is successful in MLS in the postseason and at this rate especially given the matchup specific matchup that he's going to have against Cincinnati i think he's an absolute lock mm-hmm. to start in that game i don't know how you take him out uh, to to be quite honest I, I i couldn't be i couldn't possibly be more impressed the technical ability needs work obviously especially in the attacking third and quite frankly he's probably below average uh, league-wide but what he, what he makes up for <clears throat> or how he makes up for that with work rate and positional awareness, I think his, like, football, his soccer IQ is actually kind of underrated. Um, it, it is, uh, in the same way that I think Jason Russell Rose soccer IQ is way, way, way underrated.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, both positionally, but also I think in kind of a, kind of a visceral sense, in a philosophical sense. Um, I don't know how you take him out. I think he's an absolute lock to start mm-hmm. against Cincinnati. Couldn't and, be more impressed.
2: And I agree with that. And I, the biggest thing, again, I see that Gressel is, is a really good winger. But a winger that can cross, that has the, the best of crosses, one, is not even, wasn't even taking your corner kicks. So there's one. Mm-hmm. But two, you don't have a target for him. Well it's not, like, it's, not just, it's
0: not just crosses but I, yeah right. you, but, but when it to it's it, the big one is the early ball in behind to whoever's playing up the left side of the crew right as the essentially the outlet to the overload and then back mm-hmm. into back away from any any shifting pressure shape shifting pressure from from you know the opponent right that early ball in behind it looks really really good when it's on and, and Grussell, no one's better than Julian Grussell at that. Maybe Brooks Lennon, but that's we're talking 1A, 1B, right? But what's been kind of odd for me is how little that ball, how, how few times that ball has actually been on in the postseason because how far forward the crew have been in build-up in their own atta- in their attacking third and at that point you want the guy
2: who can run backward
0: right right mm-hmm. and 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 so yeah i think you're absolutely right especially when there's not a six foot four guy to aim at more often than not
2: yes and, and then the other part of this is that <laughs> six how do you see how well, I might you be see how you there. how you see that right side work with um Marera? And Mo Farsi is very different than how you see the right side work with Morera and Julian Gressel. And I think you take the advantage of having those two working together than having two that are not as well at working together. Whether it's language, whether it's just mm-hmm. comfortability, whether whatever. So yes, even even though Mo, yes, I agree. Because sometimes he's like, like there was a couple of times in the Orlando game where he, what, he had green grass and he just needed to take the shot. Yeah, he chose to... Slide it down towards the middle of the box. Yeah. I mean, that's actually that was actually incredibly frustrating. Is how they were trying to get fancy in the six yard box. I actually, mm-hmm. actually, you tweeted about it. Mm. It's like you don't need to do that because just pepper the guy with with shots, and you're going to get rebounds.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think the 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 big thing with Mo is, and I think Bart, you absolutely mm. nailed it. Is that I can't I can't begin to pop, like. That the respect I have for in the soccer world specifically how unique this is where you're essentially a, a in like in stone starter mm-hmm. and then out of nowhere you're not, okay? How many times have we seen an international, international, or not international, but like mm-hmm. overseas club level soccer where that happens and the guy is like, bleep you people, yep. I'm out of here. Yep. Even my people who like, don't necessarily have like the, the, the cachet yeah. or the clout to mm-hmm. demand such things. It happens all the time over in Europe. And the fact that Mo Farsi was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to like, Pull up, you know, Mm -hmm. the flaps and not give anything, but to keep kind of working, keep working, keep working, and then when you do get the opportunity to actually reach out and grab it, that would be impressive for a veteran to do. And in the fact that he's a relatively young guy, I mean, what what more can you have? What more, you know, how 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 could you possibly have more respect for that? It's not. It's I I I absolutely love what he's been able to do, and I I, you you couldn't you couldn't possibly have more support. for me to 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 have him on the field it, it's he's an in sharpie in stone starter for me at this rate Algeria
3: called that man up well, man. And, you need to get him locked and in
0: I've mentioned this in the pod in the past because I don't think people have realized he does hold the dual passport mm-hmm. with Canada and Algeria and the European passport in terms of visa access to going overseas um well it's an I'm air quoting European. It gets a little bit into the We can really get into the weeds yes, there. I don't know. Uh, they... Algeria, not in Europe, but still counts, but there are some there are some visa things that go on there that, that that's a hella into the weeds. That's a that's a podcast we do in January.
2: There's some French colonization. Um, there's yes, a whole bunch I was of
0: stuff. Say, there. They, they might, yeah. the people of Algeria might take exception yeah. for why there is yeah. those European um, ties. But what that does in terms of his his like transfer value Rel- mm-hmm. as opposed to having just a dual, like a instead of be- mm-hmm. the dual national. Right. And, and with du- without if he didn't have that, it was just a Canadian passport is all essentially like probably triples his value in, in, overseas. Um, and then out of the fact that he's mm-hmm. he's turned down Canadian national team call ups, mm-hmm. um, whether because it happened. Yeah, it might also be don't during the season like or, you know, <laughs> that we don't know yet. Right. Like we're kind of kind of TBD. Right. TBD. Um, but that is kind of a, you know, a hashtag watch this space a little bit there, mm-hmm. because um, if he refines and takes a little bit of step, uh, a little bit of a step forward technical ability wise, mm. his value is going to be way higher than I think people realize because of the dual, the, the dual national and, and, the, and the two passport option. there.
1: All right, let's talk Cincinnati. Um, so they win one zero. I mentioned earlier controversial victory. Uh, if you missed it, you know, I don't know how you would have, if you're on social media at this point. But they score in what the like 88th minute or something. Yeah, 90. 90, 90, 90, yeah. 90, 90 plus something. Yeah. Rather, yeah. I was listening and driving. So, uh, but uh, the goal looked pretty clearly offside. Mm-hmm. Was not called offside on the field. They go to VAR. Even the announcers
3: were. They were. Yes, very much thought that that was offside. Yeah, I
1: mean, it. I don't think anyone who looked at it could have been like, oh, yeah, that's a good goal. Um, now, the camera angles weren't directly down the line, um, but it's 2023. And I know the EPL can draw lines because they do it literally every time a goal is scored. So I feel like MLS should at least have some way to, to figure this out. But the goal was given Cincinnati... Their dream season continues, as I believe they put out on social media. Now you've got a hell is real Derby, Derby,
0: however you want to say it. Rivalry game. Let's fire the word Derby, Mm. Derby, into the sun in terms of American soccer. Uh, fire
3: Derby into the sun. Uh,
0: Uh, Brett said that, not me. Fire (laughs) Derby. Into the sun. <laughs> well, and, and while we're at it, since that bandwagon is relatively big, a lot of the, the British soccerisms, let's put those on board. So, Brace, you're first class into the sun as well, because that's hot-ass garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, rivalry game. It's a rivalry game. Let's call it that. Because we're Americans. GD it. And let's, we don't need all Britishisms in, in the game. So, Brace and Darby, first class into the sun, hope to never pitch. hear from again. Say what? Pitch? I'm actually good with pitch. There's 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 historical there's historical grounds for why pitches.
3: The, anyway, the about, th- about that, FC Cincinnati. Yeah. The one thing I do want to like point out about and, and and Brett kind of touched on it earlier with Aiden Morris, but I think this is just another example of again the officials worrying about having an impact on the outcome of the game and that's yeah exactly it's it's so you convince you talk yourself out of a goal that in any other situation in any other time in any other game you are absolutely going to call back Because you are worried, you know, you're worried that that you're going to, I don't know, that that's going to have an outcome in the game. And then the story of the game is going to be oh, wow, well, FC Cincinnati had scored there in stoppage time, but it was called back. And instead, the the story of the game is. FC Cincinnati scored in stoppage time. He was offside, and it wasn't called back. It's still the same story. You are still the story. Now, I am saying that, and I don't. I didn't look up to see what the ref, who the ref was. Um, uh, uh, you know, if it was fresh Cut Victor Rivas or if it was uh, Hired Marufa or whoever it is. Um, but but I thought that was uh, uh, that that was pretty appalling, and it was uh, to see you know to see that it was a uh, 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 M- Mascara who scored that after. That Oscar-worthy dive he had in the box yeah. Um, yeah, was just one of those where yes, this is the uh, this is you know the uh, FC Cincinnati season you know in a nutshell. Yeah. Um,
0: I so you know we, you know I've mentioned this all season long when we went talking about Cincinnati that they're the element of of luck and I know that the GCG bag. <laughs> I don't know if you were the author <laughs> of this, but the GCG bag Twitter account had a yeah. One of the one of the great tongue in cheek uh, Twitter threads that I've seen in quite some time um, about the element of luck and uh, the, essentially like x luck in mm-hmm. terms of uh, a, a new analytic that I'd like I'd like us to really start um, you know trying to quantify this this unquantifiable thing that FC Cincinnati has managed to bottle and inject into other people, including mm-hmm. the guys with whistles and flags, uh, the men and women with whistles and flags, um, you know, on the field. Um, if this happens in July, in June, or any regular season game, it's it's whistled for offside before the ball is out of the net. Um, I I I'm I I I think it's in, in a, if I was Jim Curtin, I would have taken my f- team off the field mm-hmm. and sat in the locker room until they fixed it. Would have done a Peter Vermees. I would, would have, should have at least gotten a couple I'm good not, gifts I'm out like, of him. I'm, I'm genuinely like not kidding here. Like that—that's one of the worst decisions I've seen in an American professional sporting event in a pressure like mm-hmm. post game. That, that's up there with the non-pass interference call that we saw in that Saints game like six, seven years ago. That where the dude was absolutely tackled and they just swallowed the flag. I don't um, know what you're talking about mm-hmm. as a Rams fan. The. The I I don't understand that, and the, and the fact that they did a check, um, mm-hmm. is is crazy. Uh, I know that there's some element of the the line drawing, and and I, and, and to be fair, um, you know get get the line drawing out. I don't want that. That can stay over. We'll add that mm-hmm. to the, the you know the British isms that we're putting on this rocket yeah. with Elon and you know firing all those folks up into the sun. Um, I don't want that in the game, but like. Uh, I, I want the the 3D
3: animated guys that look like it's the you know quality of the uh, Dire Straits Money with the line like goes video. straight through them. Oh, guys going through bayonet, oh lookies yeah uh, yeah. The,
0: I mean I I I think that's about as clear and obvious as we can get in the in the game. Um, and uh, but, but
3: his arm, Brett. Your I arm, which you can famously score with.
0: Yeah, I, I, I just don't quite understand that. And I think it's a good example, Bart, of what you just mentioned, where it's this reluctance to impact the game when the reluctance is actually impacting the game, mm-hmm. too. Um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That being said, I still think Cincinnati goes on goes on and wins the game an extra time because um, it looked like they were kind of growing into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, Didn't you pick Philly last week? Uh, I did. Uh, but I, uh, and, and I could get into that in a second. But... Um, I thought Philly through 90 minutes was, like, probably should have won the game. Um, but they they had absolutely nothing left in the tank. They had given every ounce of effort mm-hmm. that they have. I think SE Cincinnati, probably, if that game does go to extra time, they win, like, 2-3-0. Like, it was that obvious in terms of the, their physical advantage. Um, towards uh, the end of the game. So in general, I don't think it was necessarily an undeserved result because I think they, they go on and they win the game relatively easily. But the call in and of itself in the microcosm, in the moment, makes no sense, and I think it was pretty terrible. Uh, I tweeted this after the game that, um, and I assume Philly has it at this point, being Monday the 27th, that the boilerplate apology from MLS that, that happens when refereeing mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, occur. Boiler, Boiler plate, uh, apologies, would be a great band name for one of those, that uh, would those be. house bands yeah. that play to, you know everyone and no one at the same time <laughs> while kids are kicking ball, the ball around uh, in the pregame uh, around you know, stadiums all across the league. Um, I thought it was bad. I thought it was really bad and disappointing. And honestly, that game oh. deserved better mm-hmm. than it to, to hinge a, uh, on, uh, on a moment uh, such as that. Um, I'm going to say some nice things about Cincinnati now. Um, real quick um, I think it is
1: important to emphasize that and, and you you made this point but I want to hammer it home a referee's decision to not make a call is just as big as making it's still a decision yeah. that you make in a game
0: and Christina mm-hmm. uncle if you're listening and I assume you're not like that that when you're on Twitter arguing with people and making like kind of random weird false equivalencies being in condescending arguments. AF doing it well, too well that too but that's a different <laughs> thing and I guess like it, go go right ahead I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> that the 99% of what you get on Twitter is terrible so oh, if boy. you want to be condescending to try and co, you know counteract that I'm actually cool with it by all means please, please do um, but like that right there is a good example of like what, what we're talking about, we, meaning a lot of the frustration mm-hmm. in, with refereeing across the league, that right there is what we're talking about, personified perfectly. And, and I don't think you have a... There, there isn't really a response to that unless there is some camera angle that you have mm-hmm. that we don't. Which should be out by now. Which is a problem, by the like, way. Like In the moment, maybe we don't see that on the broadcast.
1: Mm-hmm. But if there was, we're recording this on Monday night. This game was Saturday night. You'd think somebody would put it out on social media you know it gets out there somehow. yeah, yeah.
0: where is there's a pruter film a couple of years ago the uh, WWS channel 5 up in cleveland did, did an investigation into the number of cameras that were available to both fox mm-hmm. and cbs for nfl games mm-hmm. and how it differed depending upon like the team's record and when they played and who they played uh, there's a really there's a there was a really controversial play that happened in a browns game where I kind of forget the Browns player, was kind of clearly in the end zone, but be, was ruled to not be in the end zone. And essentially what happened when they went back and looked at it during the challenge was that there was not a, there was not like a down the line end zone camera available because Fox didn't provide the, you know, the 12 cameras or the 16 cameras, whatever the number might be, because it was like a four and, you know, four and 10 Browns team against someone else. Whereas if the Browns had, you know, if the record was reversed and they had ten wins at that point, there would have been a camera and that would have been a touchdown and they would have gone on and won the game. And what it ended up kind of doing is that the NFL asked Fox, CBS and NBC to standardize the number of cameras regardless of record and who was Mm -hmm. playing. What a concept. And what I what I think what what's a little bit frustrating is that and I've heard complaints from this from a tech from the TV side of things with TQL in terms of where the camera bays are positioned um, at the respective 18s from the broadcast side of things. So the side that you don't see when you're watching the game on TV or the non-broadcast side, they're off a little bit, just a smidge. And by smidge, like enough that we TV people notice and i and i think that's something that the league needs to do a better job of in terms of standardizing across all of the soccer specific stadiums it's,
3: especially in a league um, where their it's half of their business model is you know convincing um municipalities to fork out to build new stadiums and because it is a single entity and these are franchises these are not clubs you know these are investor owners these are uh, investor owner franchises you should be able to standardize that and say yes when you are building your stadium you can do whatever nice bells and whistles but you need to have these sight lines available for cameras in these space for it i mean that that's just no brainer.
0: All, all of it. Is, all of it is to say that we can do better. I think there's mm, yeah. significant room for improvement. That doesn't also impinge upon the the support that we need to give mm-hmm. referees to to make decisions in those pressure moments. Because I think you they, are giving them that support by doing that. Yeah, exactly. Right? Essentially, you're you're you are you are strengthening the foundation mm-hmm. upon which they stand to make these crucial choices. And when when there's that like 5% bit of nuance, that's where we, where we, where we mm-hmm. find huge, massive, franchise-shifting problems mm-hmm. in these specific games. And, and, and so I, I think we can do better. There's absolutely room for improvement there. Well, and I, it was pointed out to me, a
1: friend of mine that I was talking to yesterday, if you think back to the, I think it was the 2-2 draw where Etienne scored what Cincinnati thought was the mm-hmm. offside goal... So the the crew have benefited down there before, which kind of leads me into this game and what you kind of expect out of this. I think, look, the hell is real stuff has been fun, no doubt about it. And there's a lot of intensity between these two teams, and it's not just in the stands. I think, especially with Caleb, there was, and the games this year, it's felt like a rivalry. I don't, I'm not questioning that, but... I think you need this type of game to like really put it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Cincinnati hasn't been good enough to get in there. The crew obviously haven't been good enough the last couple of years. Um, You had the open cup game. You've had some, some games that felt more important than others, but this is where like rivalries really can be made. And I think, you know, we, we can probably talk about, you know, the crew are better in this spot and Cincinnati may be better in this spot, da-da-da. I don't even know if it comes down to that ultimately. It's it's going to – these rivalry games are just, you know, Sam, we j- you just witnessed one this past weekend in a different sport that, like, you know, maybe the best team doesn't always win and it comes down to certain plays and things like that. Uh, what what do you see, Brett, though, as, like, a key – or keys uh, – for the crew to get out of there and mock up
0: uh, an MLS Cups game at Lower.com Field? So I... I um, match, uh, sorry. I'm going to answer the question by saying some nice things about the Cincinnati as a soccer team. I think Lucho, Lucho Costa's absolutely deserving MVP. I would have voted for him if I still was able to vote. Um, same thing and with... The media overwhelmingly voted for him. Yeah, um, Patty, yeah. He got 50% of the player vote. Pat, Pat Noonan, I think, is is... is Absolutely coach of the mm-hmm. year. Um, uh, uh, massive champion. Patty. 2008. Uh, um, Columbus crew legend, Pat Newton. <laughs> yep. He uh, won
1: multiple championships in my football manager. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> same contest. thing with,
0: you know, and they brought out Rosa Lavelle, Columbus crew legend, youth, youth mm-hmm. soccer legend, Rosa Lavelle showing up in FC Cincinnati as well. I'm um, going to talk touch on that the, a little bit later. Uh, but absolutely coach of the year. They, they deserve it. The video that they put out where they, they were all kind of, they did this impromptu meeting and kind of showed um, you know that he had won and his family were in were there. That was really cool. Um, one it it, it it does I think kind of speak to a little bit the the absurdity that is what they what FC Cincinnati tried to do during their wooden spoon dynasty where all these Europhiles trying to come in and make turn them into PSV mm-hmm. and then and the last place, last place, last place, despite Yap Stom yelling at every
2: mm-hmm.
0: thinking every single play was offside when you know you were running in your own half. Um, and then all of a sudden they bring in two MLS veteran people and Chris Albright, the GM, VP, or whatever his title is now, and Pat Noonan, and boom, they flip it 180 in basically a year. Um, they deserve all the credit for that, and, and I, I'm, I've been um, genuinely impressed with how quickly they got things in gear. Um, they, they, they seem to be a very complete team, um, not seem to be, they are unquestionably a complete team. And I think that um, the, the the outrageously great sporting city that is Cincinnati deserves a team like that um, because it's um, one of the most underrated sporting cities that we have in the entire country. And, I, and so I, I'm... Um, you know their 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 fans are their fans during the you know the the hashtag banter that we have a little bit, but they they deserved better than those wooden spoon years, and um, and 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 now they have a team to support it um, that I think is kind of worthy of, of their efforts. Um, but to answer the question, it's I still think the, the crew are like like a far and away a superior team. Yep. Um, from a philosophical standpoint, I think from like a, kind of an 11 v 11 standpoint, they're mm-hmm. they're better. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I, I think the it's the, the the collection, like the collective is better. But where, where I think that the crew um, kind of have to do a job a little bit on on Lucho Acosta, I think it's. Everything runs through him. The further up the field he gets, mm-hmm. the more dangerous Cincinnati becomes. It's a little bit, inc- I, you know, I've talked about this throughout the year, um, the way teams try to defend Carlos Heal. Heel, um, and I, it's a little bit of a different player. He's a little bit more of a provider than, mm-hmm. than, than the goal scorer that Acosta is. But the more that you try to push Acosta away from the goal in the same way that you try to push Heal away from the goal, that's the way you, that's the way you defend and, and, and kind of game plan against Cincinnati. I think the best way to do that is to keep the ball. And the, the thing I think I like about this matchup is the way in my mind that the crew kind of, uh, or the, 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 the prerequisites that you want to see the kind of the crew hit in terms of trying to play their best, why they would win this game, fit really well into kind of the core tenets as to how they want to play. They want to possess the ball. They want to build... Um, out of the middle block, into their own attacking third. They want to have everyone high up the field. There's no one really that Cincinnati has that I think can get in behind. Brandon Vasquez isn't winning a foot race. Mm-hmm. The new DP striker. He's struggled Well, and, yeah, they, and, and there's some reasons for that. It, well, homeboy doesn't want to be there. And, yeah. and yeah. To, no, to be no, fair, yeah. right? I mean, he said this in the past. That like, it has had offers from Europe. He wants to go to Europe. And FC Cincinnati said no. Now, to his credit, Which, he has still been bought in and is there, and and I think and I think deserves some you know some respect. But,
3: but I don't think too many but, teams are you know paying for twenty three, twenty four year old
0: five goal MLS strikers. Probably either. not. But I mean, last <laughs> year he was an absolute world. He was, but um, and 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 deserves an opportunity to showcase it in Europe. But um, I don't think there's a ton of of threat in behind Dom. You know. Uh, Dom Baggio has been an outrageously good. What they've gotten from him in terms of what they're paying and what his kind of what I thought his ceiling was and what it actually what has been for them has been two vastly different points. Um, and then uh, they've been, I, I think, pretty decent in the, in the back end. But with Barriol, it's in, in Acosta. The two of them, I think, have just been. Um, you know, best 11, outrageous yeah. good, outrageously good. Um, they like the you were talking about team like players that like I would pay to watch. Like those two mm. are guys that like I just think are are just crazy good.
3: Mario all last week when we talked about, you know, hey, if you could add just one other player from an MLS team. And I kind of went with uh, uh, Brooks. I, it's like he's the after guy. saying that immediately. He's it's like, the guy. Actually, are over on the left? though? Oh, my God. Look. Yeah.
0: So uh, so good. Um, I actually think he has even a higher ceiling than than maybe we give him credit for. Um, and what twenty three? Yeah, and, right? and so um, the but the further away Lucho Acosta is from the goal, your your goal, right? The 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 better um, you know things are going to be because I don't think Cincinnati can play the ball in behind and essentially be that transition team like Orlando, um, mm-hmm. like Orlando, right? Um, so. That that's gonna be the big thing. I think in you know, like I, I hate all the like the, the, the throw the record book out, like manage your emotions, like rivalry, cliches. Like those all always piss me off because I feel like that's like kind of a prerequisite for every single game. Mm. Um, Glad you didn't read my article last week. But um the uh no, yeah, you absolutely fantastic. Um <laughs> but the uh, uh I think it's I think it's about confidence, right? And 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 if I was an Ohio State football fan, this is what I would be talking about if to to Ryan Day, or if, well, if not an, on that route. if I was an Ohio State coaching uh, member of the coaching staff, this is what I'd be preaching: was that the confidence that you show in the group manifests usually manifests positively on the field. And what we've seen from both of these teams, both FC Cincinnati and the Columbus crew, is that the managers, the, ma- the respective managers, the coaching staffs support the players in, a, in an unconditional capacity that lends itself to really fantastic, mm-hmm. great results on the field. So the, I, I think we're, in a lot of ways, this is like, until MLS kind of changes and does away with the conferences, which I don't think they'll ever do, but like, Probably this is not. this is kind of like the pinnacle of what, what we can hope for in terms of this rivalry outside of a US Open Cup final, right? This is this is the type of game that defines rivalries. This is the type of game that defines um and and and, and writes like nominal hugely influential chapters in the story of of the mm-hmm. two teams pitted against one another. And so I think we're really privileged and lucky to have this opportunity just to witness the game in the first place. Yeah, I think, you know, as much as I
1: most crew fans would want Cincinnati to have stayed at the bottom of the table and it just been a laughing stock. Like this will make the result of this game will make those games going forward more interesting. Mm-hmm. Like one fan base is going to feel absolutely gutted. They're gonna after be this. thinking about
3: nothing but that until they play again next season. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder you, if any
2: there's any other rivalries in sports around this mm-hmm. part of the world. You know, or state that kind of like, region that kind of rivals. That. Right, but Blue well, Jackets, Red Wings. Right, there you go. <laughs> but I,
1: I mean, I do think. Look, if you are Cincinnati, this is your chance to like claim you're the best team in Ohio, right? Yeah. Like, it's not a regular season. You could sweep the regular season. That doesn't really do mm-hmm. anything. You know, it's two games out of a of a full season schedule. But this is your chance to not and they only and, right, mm-hmm. and we'll get to those games in a second. But it's not only the opportunity to beat your rival but you have a chance to go to mls cup win an mls cup which i think whichever team comes out of this is going to be favored to do most likely given the two teams that are in the west we'll talk about that in a minute but um and if you're the crew you have the opportunity to not only get back to a conference final which is the ultimate goal here but you keep cincinnati as little brother in that scenario yeah good you won the supporter shield okay we've been there done that but this is the playoffs. This is when MLS matters. And you, uh, you guys couldn't beat us on your home field. And like, that's real. Mm-hmm. And I think as much as like the players will be focused on the game and like, like I said, there, there is some bitterness between these teams on the field. Like this will make that more real for them, mm-hmm. um, you know. Other than Cucho, who already had to catch a beer in that stadium and did a fantastic job of allegedly chugging urine, yeah.
2: Until until they like play each other in the Super Cup. Super or is there yeah. a, or is there a charity shield here? Yeah, I don't, one yeah. of those things.
1: I there's already too many games in February. I don't think we need to add a uh, another one. Though I, I so suppose look. there's a
0: chance that they could that we could get a Hell is Real Concacaf Champions League final. Yeah, what? I Ooh. mean in theory in theory. Yeah, mm-hmm. you won't
1: get them in that far into the Open Cup because yeah. of the way they do it now, unless they change the format. Well,
0: yeah.
3: And and look, love the Open Cup. Be great to have, you know, uh, a CONCACAF final um, between these two teams, but this is the biggest, yeah, um, unless they move Cincinnati to the Western Conferences for purposes of, you know, uh, like uh, circa 2008 New York Red Bulls, this is the, the highest later. level that you can have them, and this is the most consequential um, game that you can have these two teams playing, and then, you know, again, this was a rivalry before that, but um, it, 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 it is absolutely, you know, you've got this is what you want and this is you know it is the uh it's all ohio always was meme um and and as much as you know want to give it to you know uh and and we'll you know continue uh providing bans with fc cincinnati um this is these are exactly the kind of games you want to be playing against your rival and and fc cincinnati was crew's biggest rival um uh, uh prior to this respect to the Chicago you know and the and the and the, and, and the uh, DC. DC teams but look DC has not been is they have been dog shit for, garbage, for a while hot um, flaming um, garbage Chicago Hoss, to an extent hot, hot, have been hot hot flaming and and, Hunter, and and again there's there's just something that garbage. The, the, I think I think one of the things that um Uh, uh, look, you need fans to, a rivalry ultimately, the the, the players will cycle in and out, right? And and so it has to be the fans that keep that going. Um, And the fact is, and, and, you know, it it will be seen. We've also got some recency bias and maybe, you know, after FC Cincy, after this year, you know, goes back to perennially being a wooden cup or wooden spoon um, champion, you know, maybe, the fans and the bands won't be as significant, but I think just the geographical locale, um, and, and the fact that this is going to keep this, um, as Cruz's um, largest rivalry, um, uh, you know, in perpetuity until you know, I don't know, uh, uh, we get I, I don't even think I can't, I can't think of anything, mm. you know, um, so so they add another
1: Columbus team,
3: yeah, yeah, maybe that, uh, so 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 I think this is. This is everything that you hope for, yeah. It's absolutely everything that you hope for. As much as you don't want to see Cincinnati do well, you want to see them well. Look, that's the other thing, and that's what also matters is like, look, think of how much emotional torment you can inflict. The ceiling for emotional torment that can be inflicted when your team is just uh, getting wooden spoons year after year versus. Being able to turn that around and win the supporters shield and then lose at home to your hated rival that that's just like that you just you you abhor their fans so much. Um, that is that is what you want to be able to inflict as another fan base, and that's what I think we're gonna get this weekend.
1: As a Cardinals and Lakers fan or sorry, Cardinals and Rams fan, I know a thing or two about beating uh, Cincinnati teams in these crucial games like mm-hmm. this, but uh, we won't rub that in too much. Brett, how much do you think the two games in the regular season play into what they're going to do? Like, what do you take from those results that might play a part? Obviously, for people that don't remember the 3-2 game in Cincinnati, Cincinnati goes up early, the crew come back, and Patrick Schulte has the mistake that leads to the the winner. Um, and then the crew win 3 nothing at Lower.com Field. This one will obviously be at two TQL Stadium.
0: But what is there anything to take from that? Or is this just so different because it's at Easter Comets final? Well, I think you know that you can score goals. I think that's, to me, that would be the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also you you're, you have kind of a keen awareness that in in the, the, the last time you played, you gave up a shitty goal. Uh, they had a really soft ass penalty that was like one of the worst ones that we mm. saw all year um and you're you know a, uh you know outrageous roman solentano save away from still managing a 3-3 mm. three, three draw despite oh, a Marrera. self-inflicted <laughs> error a stupid penalty that shouldn't have happened in the first place so i think you there's a lot of con, you know confidence um and i think the the like i said earlier the the you know, if you were to kind of draw up or write out the the reasons why you would feel like you're successful in this game, they fit perfectly with your own kind of philosophical um, you know kind of uh tenets as to how you want to play in the first place, regardless of opponent um, so I think they matter um and I think they they um, I think the fact that there's that that 3-0 really dominant win that since he had no juice is like kind of the most recent reference point, yeah. I think also is a good thing. Um, the the big one for me, I think it's more important to me the most the 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 playoff results that we've seen over the last four games are probably mm-hmm. more important. Yeah. Um, the you know, the fact that you went out in a in a, in a must win game at home you went out and scored four goals and kind of made it look easy against Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You have a do-or-die on the road game that you clean sheeted a team that not many teams have clean sheeted, um, and then also you you uh, were frustrated over the course of ninety minutes and still persevered through that. Um, the, the 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 boost and confidence that I think you gained from those two results having and ba- you know kind of, of kind of occurring in back-to-back nature are, I think are massive. Um, so, it's it's, um, you know, I think the other the other thing I think that you lean into, and and this is, I, I've kind of remarked about this in the past that this is one of the, I think it's probably the most it's it's got to be the most unique road trip, second most unique road trip in the Eastern Conference in pr- in terms of how weird it is for teams, um, you know, and such, you know, kind of close geographic, um, you know, kind of proximity that, uh, you know, this is a bus ride from mm-hmm. Columbus to Cincinnati, which is different from all the other road trips that you have. So it, it messes the, with the, the routine a little bit there. Um, you know, obviously, NYCFC Red Bulls, that one's probably a bus ride. LA, I would hope L.A.F.C. Well, per, not, there's no probably about it, but yeah, it's it's a bus ride, but it's a little bit different, right? L.A.F.C. Mm-hmm. L.A. Galaxy is helicopter. Is yeah, yeah I mean, you know, do, no disrespect. It to It might feel like a flight with how much time you spend in traffic, tra- especially getting out to Carson. Mm-hmm. Um, but the um, the fact that this one's a little bit different, I, I think that you have to manage that routine really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that'll be a little bit of a challenge. And then you lean into the fact that you are you had beers thrown at you. People are spitting, swearing mad and pissed off that you're like on the field. Lean into the the almost villain kind mm-hmm. of like nature of being the away team in this game. Yeah. Um, because the more you have of the ball, which is what you want in the first place, the, the louder it's mm-hmm. going to get, the, or the not the louder necessarily, but the more frustrated it's going to get. And if you score that first goal, the energy of that building is gone. Absolutely gone. Yeah. Because there's nothing really that they have in recent memory to, 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 to essentially kind of um, have mm-hmm. as uh, something to fall back upon if things go wrong early. So go, I, if I were them, I would be absolutely flying high in those first 15 minutes to try and score almost to the point of trying to leverage it to be a little bit maybe open in the back mm-hmm. to try and score in the first 15 to 20 because I think if you do that if you go up 1-0 in the first 15 20 minutes in this game you probably win like 3-1-4-1 going away it, it could very easily get out of hand at that so you're point. saying you're taking the opening kickoff if you're <laughs> yeah, you do not defer to the second okay, half. Yeah, you win the toss. Well, and I think and you, I think you the other one too. I think if you if you do get the opportunity to choose which end of the field you are going at the Bailey mm-hmm. in the first half too. Mm-hmm. I think
3: I think one you do have a guy who, you know, again you, we mentioned the chugging the beers, but uh, a guy like Cucho. Who it's it's weird, you know, paradoxically because he's like the most lovable and fun guy to watch. You just watch it the way he plays and you can't help but smile. And also he is happy to play the heel. I mean, oh, obviously yeah. there's mm-hmm. drinking the beer, but we had, you know, the black, uh, venom, Spider-Man mask that he wore after the Fantastic. Atlanta game. Just, yeah. Incredible. wants to do it, wants to needle them. Um, and, and he, I think he wants to be the guy who, who gets that attention. Who you know is getting those boos every time he touches the ball, um, and he wants to be the one that silences. He wants is. to be Michael Bradley. <laughs> no, but Michael Bradley I cries. Knew I liked that's Cucho. the thing. Yeah, Many Cucho aspire. Cucho wants to take that. You know, Michael Bradley hears those boos and passes it back to his net. Um, Cucho hears those boos, shrugs off two guys, and then fires it in the back of yours. Um, and uh, from midfield. Yeah, and and so I think that. Is going to be a difference um, in this game. Um, I also look at, uh, uh, you know, we, we mentioned Roosevelt earlier, uh, uh, U.S. Women's National Team, um, you know, World Cup champion um, and, and crew, uh, a youth player who um, appeared uh, uh, at the FC Cincy game. Um, uh, I didn't realize this. So she like Stab the store has, sword yeah, or something. Yeah, so they've got, and, and maybe they've had this for a while. It's like a King I don't Arthur remember. It's kind like of thing. yeah, sword in the stone. They remove it. I guess it's it's sort of like the uh, uh, you know match igniter. They yeah, may they yeah, may have had this the whole time. I've got no clue. I have um, not seen uh, it when we've uh, been down there. I don't but, remember But it. But I miss that. So, so they had her in there um, wearing an FC Cincy hat that she definitely owned before and was not shoved on her head by a game ops person right before she went on camera um and and she grasped that and and look I you know it needs to be said that like I think that having that winning energy makes a difference Rose Lavelle is a champion and I think that helped power them at least to offset the Matt Miazga effect that you get just negative vibes you get just from employing that dude, Let, regardless of whether he's playing, you are coming into a game at a deficit. Um, so I think that 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 did that. But my problem is I think they blew their wad too early because who do you have now for Hell's Real, especially in the way that the crew were able to employ um, uh, Adam John as a guy who had ties with both of those teams and showing his ultimate allegiance in that you don't have, like. I an, think you know who it's going to be. Well, It's well, going to be Jebby or
1: whatever his name was, who scored the goal against the crew in the he, Open he, Cup he, that he, they've already, he already rolled
2: already out. Did yeah, that. yeah.
3: That doesn't mean it won't be
1: I
2: mean, him. I was it's thinking, like. like Pete Rose or Johnny Bench.
3: Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like who, who are you going to do? Are they going to get Bob Huggins? Are they going to like, is he still coaching West Virginia? No, are they going to put him?
2: him. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's
3: got nothing going on. So you can get him in an FC Cincy track and he can be <laughs> just sweating it up there as he's pulling the sword out of the stone, just, just completely red-faced. And they, they just might, get
1: actual King Arthur.
3: You might, I mean, look, you might raise Marge shot from the dead, and she can go do it, but then she'll see Lucho Acosta's neck tattoo and just die a second time. Um, they could get, obviously, universally beloved um, hippopotamus Fiona uh, uh, from the Cincinnati Zoo. The problem is, of course, she does not have posable thumbs. She could be a match igniter. You could break through the wall and have her just kind of fall on the little trigger there, but she needs to have poseable thumbs. Cincinnati did have a beloved zoo resident but who did dead. have posable thumbs, but yeah, he died under mysterious circumstances. <laughs> Totally coincidentally, right after FC Cincinnati came on the scene. Now, I'm not saying that FC Cincinnati killed Harambe. You've never held that bad. Yes, but the uh, 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 correlation and causation are two very different things. I'm just saying do the research. But I think they so I think they blew their wad here. And and I think they do not have the good juju. Um, I think crew have win the vibes and they are a better team. And so I'm feeling good. What do you think about former Cincinnati Reds broadcaster Tom Brenneman? (laughs) That would be, this would be just like, I need a a Castellanos, just like, uh, uh, just, yes. It was a deep drive to left field. And, yeah, and and, 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 uh, the, you know, FC Cincinnati are getting ready to uh, 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 punch their ticket to the MLS Cup, and it's a, Deep drive from Steven Marrera, and it's into the right corner of the net.
1: I don't know what I'm putting this headset back on again.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, if you don't Here. understand that reference, just Google Tom Brenneman controversy. The, uh, I,
0: I, I think you, you probably have a
2: better— Or maybe don't, you have a better,
0: You have a better bet with Tom's dad, Marty, uh, who, <laughs> who called Reds games for— Marty is a,
2: is a true treasure and a legend. I would, I would
0: bet there is not an uncomfortable amount of money that I would bet— that Johnny Bench, Pete Rose, Marty Brenneman, maybe even Tom Brenneman, uh, don't even know that FC yeah, Cincinnati absolutely. exists. Oh, yeah. There isn't an uncomfortable amount of money you know that I would you actually probably, be willing to wager. You know, you probably could the get... The fact, fact you'd that you'd wager on uh, Pete Rose
2: not knowing uh, something is actually pretty I think, hilarious.
0: I bet you could get Ocho Cinco to do it. He's so a soccer guy. I was just... Oh, Cincinnati. So, they, yeah. when, we were, when, when you were... I was letting Bart cook there, which, yeah, by the sure. way, 10 out of 10. Oh, no, 100%. Uh, you always let Bart Bengals go. play on since B- Bengals play Monday night uh, that 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 week. So maybe Joey Bur- Burrow's available, yeah. but Homeboy just had surgery, I think, today. So yeah, like I don't just, know if you want, can you grab yeah, with the yeah, left with hand, was, I don't know. Yeah. Also.
1: Given his Columbus ties and Ohio State, I don't know if he's probably
0: not. I don't know if he. But would the do thing that. with you know Sporting Kansas City legend Chad Ochocinco, <laughs> <laughs> does his allegiance go to Cincinnati? I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. You know because in, you know like I said, Sporting Kansas City legend Chad Ochocinco kind of going turncoat a little bit now, especially now that SKC are out of the playoffs. Kind of don't love that. Um, yeah, I love I yeah, who's the who's the sword puller? Um I don't for lack of a better way, it. Oh, this podcast just, uh, yes, just got x-rayed. Uh, yeah. The yeah, I don't know who that person is. Um and it I don't know the 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 USL guy that you got um you know, from the from the depths of the second team of the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, probably is not maybe going to be the the guy that really. I yeah. the so
3: they had a sign the people and going. He did it last time, and I don't remember his name. Yep,
0: uh, Jebby. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That that's that'd be a fascinating thing. At you know, in in, uh, in, in Cincinnati sports history lore, how how deep mm-hmm. do you go into the annals of of Cincinnati sports well, to try and find it? But a here's head? the thing: is like
1: because the team is still relatively new. Like you just don't have the history to do an Adam John mm-hmm. or you don't have a head coach. Yeah, they were winning like wooden spoons it. when Adam John was eliminated. Right. Atlanta. But the, so like there's not an obvious, you know, you could do a Bengals player past present. You could do Reds player, you know, something like that. And that would get the
0: crowd going, but like Joey Votto, maybe, but yeah, uh, but is was that even a Reds player? No, the but the,
1: yeah, like guys That'd like that be, would be that, fine. Actually, I would sign up for that. That'd guys cool. like that would be fine for Cincinnati sports. But, like, when Wilfred Nancy busts through that wall before the, was, that was the Cincinnati game, right? Like, yeah. that set the building on frickin' fire. And, like, yeah. like I've never heard Lower.com as loud as it was right then and with the, at the start of that game. Like, I don't know if you have somebody. And not that you need that to win a playoff game, but it certainly helps build the atmosphere. Um, we'll go back to the, our predictions in a second. I just want to touch on real quick what is happening out west. Um, you've got LAFC and Houston. Both one winners, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, we don't want to look too far ahead, but if the crew win, you're facing one of those teams. Is there a team you'd prefer to face? I texted you guys last night that I know that you probably want to face Houston because, in theory, they're the, they're the lesser of the two teams and the name recognition on them, and there's some crew players there that would make for interesting stories. But I just can't stand their head coach and... You're not a Benny Ball guy? No, no, no. He was, I hated him as a player on those D.C. teams, and I think, he's, I think he only has a job because he was a player. I don't think him as a coach has been anything good at all. Uh, I also have walked past him twice in my life when I was covering the team regularly. Hey, Ben, blow by. So mm. screw that guy. Let's go Carlos
0: Vela uh, for me. Yeah, I, the I think the the, the Houston storylines are, are interesting. I just don't I don't want any our tour bu- uh, Steve Clark for those who yeah, haven't paid attention. And, the, to host- and, and and maybe Stevie feels like in that game that he owes the crew a goal. I think it's I think it I think <laughs> yeah, it would yeah. be, totally, yeah. be totally fine to you know to, to, to finally make good on that bill of good you know kind of on the on that on that bill a little bit. So so yeah, I mean, take it and chuck it. You can yes it into the back of the net. Um, uh, you know, if if that happens, but I'm always kind of um, leery of the, the the team teams that feel like they're a little bit on a mission from God, and that's absolutely Houston. Um, the the I, you know, I, I did they win the league cup? They beat uh won the US open yeah. open Cup. Right, that's what i meant sorry um, they beat miami i don't in... know i don't know what ben ben olson's teams do tactically i'm not mm-hmm. sure they know what they do tactically okay. but what he's able to do in terms of like the motivation side and being kind of like the pissed off little gremlin that he is like seems to really like resonate with guys God, I hate him. and um And I I, I still don't quite understand why he was never able to really get those DC teams to work because they had kind of the pieces in terms of also annoying little gremlins on those teams to be able to to kind of make it work. And they never really were able to. Um, Maybe that's an ownership thing. I'm not exactly sure. No, uh, he's a bad head coach, but I, I, I it, w- whatever it is, whatever it works, yeah. And then, you know, and, and <laughs> sure he's a nice once guy. Once again, I wouldn't know, talk to me either. Don't frankly. big time our guy, right? Like I think that's like you know, job. No, I think one. he was. I think he was intimidated. Um, well, that that's <laughs> probably too. Right? Um, I mean, again, there, it's 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 like one of those things where. Um, they're just, there's just the magic with Houston right now that I want no part of. If I'm a if I'm a Columbus Crew fan heading into MLS Cup, especially with um, with what we've seen from LAFC in terms of how kind of peaking and valleying mm-hmm. a little bit, that like you can get a you can get a down night from LAFC and just beat the ever living crap out of them, and then sometimes you know what that's like. Team, you should probably win Concacaf mm-hmm. Champions League. So like. Um, the, the the peak and valley nature a little bit of what, what um what they bring to the table is is I would say more appealing for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um what they what they did to Seattle was impressive. I like that. Um the they've got some pieces that are really, really like boiling lava hot right now that are also a little scary. So um but I I, I just I love the, the potential home kind of you know, home field advantage that they that that, that that that's kind of on tap there.
2: I feel like Houston is the West version of Cincinnati in the East, just how those two teams paralleled what their seasons have been like from last year to this year. So it's, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to run into Houston either. LA, I'd rather take the chances with LA, but I think that actually drives another question that I had in mind as you're talking. How do you feel if the crew lose this game against FC Cincinnati? Why would you put that out there? Yeah, I don't. I mean, so uh, sad. Like, Sam. Hold on, hold on. Sad. Actually, it's it's a it's a more complex question because it's not just about this game. Okay, let's say the crew <coughs> win this game and are hosting MLS Cup. The Cincinnati won the game. You mean? No, no. Let's say crew beat. Let's FC say crew beat FC okay. Cincinnati, and then they're they're playing MLS Cup. And where I guess we kind of talked about it a little bit last year is like where do you feel that the season is a success? And how much does it take it out of you? How the results go?
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. like like what what? It's like the the old joke: Would you rather beat Michigan and lose in the national championship, or lose to Michigan and win a national championship? That kind of I said that's like I think what you're getting at. Yeah, Um,
1: I think. Look, if I think if you could keep Cincy out, you take that. Yeah, but like. You know they've already lost one MLS Cup at home. Like, let's not make it two. Yeah. I I mean the key ingredient to not doing that is Patrick Golden and I cannot sit by each other. That that is, is that was the problem true. in against Portland and and, and and it did not
2: happen in 2020, which is why we won. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think he was like two seats down because we were social distancing.
2: Right. And yeah. again, I like
3: look. I, I, I'm not trying to look ahead and anything, but regardless, I, you know, again, Houston able to beat Crew on a. You know, Wednesday night uh, when it was a hundred degrees in August. Instead, I like both of these teams from Houston <laughs> or LA playing in Columbus, Ohio, in mid-December in the freezing cold. Yeah, Somehow that game will be like fun. sixty-five and yeah. sunny. You know, like hey, hey, at hey, night regardless. the sun will still right. be out. But Actually, I, I don't know what time that you know, I, 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 I really don't. I'm not gonna like you know weigh in on any of it anymore because I don't want my game is. We'll figure out how I feel if, you know, if the crew were to lose to Cincinnati, if the crew loses Cincinnati. So we'll talk about that, I don't know, next year or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's for 2024. I do think that
1: it would be more fun, if you're the crew, to beat LAFC. The defending champs, the team that's kind of taken over as sort of the darling of the league. Mm-hmm. Um, they took your colors.
2: Black and gold versus yep. black and gold. Right,
1: right. Uh, when, when. People thought that the crew wasn't going to exist anymore. So I think it would be, I think that like you already went through Seattle in 2020 and dismantled what was the best team in in MLS then. So if you can knock off the Supporter Shield winners, then go and and knock off, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously LAFC didn't have as, as good of a season as everyone expected, but I still think people, I imagine going into that game, if it were to happen in Columbus, the national talk would be about how mm-hmm. LAFC has, a, you know, it would be more LAFC. And I think you ha- you can play that very similar role if Wilfred Nancy chooses to do it. Because I know Caleb Porter did mm-hmm. in 2020 of the, the, like, no one believes in us. Let's go out there and wipe the floor with their asses. And they did. And so I think that would be more fun. I mean, you win an MLS Cup, you win an MLS Cup. And if it's against a Houston team that runs out of gas after really pushing then fine, so be it. But um, I also thought it was interesting. I forgot to mention this earlier. Philly would have been the first team to play in three conference finals since Houston back in, like, their yeah. glory days, shortly after they moved from San Jose. The D-Row days, yeah. Yeah, and that's nuts to me. That, I mean, I guess it makes sense that no one else has done it, but, like, with Seattle's dominance and... Yeah,
3: what about those Toronto
1: teams? Those they Toronto didn't, it wasn't, they, it didn't really? get the three. Yeah, it wasn't okay. consecutive. Two, I think two in a row. I think they met... Th- Three out of four years, yeah. or something yeah, yeah. along those lines. But yeah, just just kind of nuts. Especially, you know, <clears throat> Philly's not Seattle. Philly's not Toronto. Philly is much more like Columbus. That uh,
0: and there's you know, a and there's a pretty big disconnect in Philly between personnel decisions from the head coach and, yeah, yeah, and the yeah. their kind of team ops guy. But. Um, it, it feels a little bit like a miracle on ice situation to me where like, if you remember that 1980s um, USA hockey team that beat the Soviet union, I don't know if the story is the same, if they don't go on and win the gold medal against like Latvia or whatever it was that other team that they had to actually w- play in the in gold the final, medal game yeah. in the, in, in the gold medal final. Um, I don't think it was Latvia because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm guessing Latvia was part of the Soviet union at that point. Um, but there was, it was a team Sweden or something. I don't remember, but um the but the um yeah i i i think the the big thing for me is is the, the barometer of like what is a successful season i think the crew have, have achieved that at that at this point and it does feel i think you could maybe make the argument that they're playing with house money from from now on but and i think and i think this applies to what we just saw a couple of days ago you don't want your arch rival to end your season regardless of circumstance and i think that that if this was if this was since uh, columbus versus philly it'd be house money whatever happens happens fantastic but you want to go over there and take the best fc cincy team that they've ever had that's already won a trophy that has all the expectations in the world and it's at home the opportunity there to go and get a victory and then go and play an MLS Cup, I think, is too, is too great. It resets the calculus a little bit for me of what a, a is actually a successful season. Because if the crew were to, to, to lose in that game, I think it would, it would negatively impact my perception of the season as a whole. Mm-hmm. You have said for weeks now that this team should win MLS Cup. Yeah.
1: But if you don't win, you still think it's successful?
0: Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's s- successful in terms of the steps that you're made that you that you want to see the team kind of make.
2: It's like expectation versus what. For sure,
0: yeah. but but I I believe that the expect like I said a second ago, the calculus has changed for me. I think it really for me it changed in that Chicago game that came on the heels of the Orlando disaster in the regular season. When they put that behind them as quickly as they did. And then went and moonwalked through a Chicago team. And when they were in like second gear the whole way, that to me signaled like this is a go out and win this fucking thing right now because mm-hmm. they, they are absolutely in position to do so. And we don't know personnel wise who's around in 2024 because it, it, there is some ambiguity there a little yeah. bit. And um, so I, I think it it's a... It's not necessarily a win MLS Cup or bust for me because I think that's probably a bit black and white, not black but, and gold. Not black and gold, but they should absolutely win MLS Cup at this point, point. and I think that's to me that's kind of the, the the prerequisite bare minimum expectation. And
2: they've shown that they can do that. I they've think they absolutely can against teams. And I think making they will. Sure.
0: By the way, regardless of who right. they play in MLS Cup, I think they I think they go and they take care of Cincinnati. And I think they beat whoever they play in MLS Cup. As
1: All well. right. On that note, let's do predictions because Sam has been signaling for 20 minutes that we need to wrap this up. Um, how? how f- what are we on now? How long we've we been going? Long.
2: 101 minutes. <laughs>
1: okay, not the longest we've ever done, but
2: no, we've done we've done a couple of I mean, like this We've iteration. been
1: compelling
0: and interesting. Yeah, yeah no, this has yeah. been a very oh, yeah. good. Podcast. And I know how yeah. much how much everybody who listens. Loves the prediction point point because of how often we've been right yeah, throughout the One hundred percent of the time, um, exactly. Every and time.
3: I have picked the crew in every single one of their wins. That's true. You every have. single one. I, I single mean, I'm one pretty one one. sure that I don't have it in front of me, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure you have.
1: Um, all right, let's do it. Uh, Brian, who obviously we forgot to mention off the top, not here t- again tonight, but he sent Thanks in a prediction. Dry. He said four uh, three crew. Cucho Brace with an assist. Marrera scores after driving into the box. And when I read that initially, I uh, thought he said after diving in the box. And I was like, oh, he gets to take the penalty Interesting. case. All right, oh,
2: it's a diving header.
1: I guess that could be, too. Uh, so there's Brian's score. Brian's optimistic. Sam, you go.
2: Um, Oof. I... Yeah, You know, honestly, I'm, I'm good either way. I think the crew takes this game 3-2, but I think, again, just like I thought it would be with, with, um, with Orlando, it's, it's a very good probability that this goes into overtime or the winning goal gets scored in, like, the 97th minute. Could it be an offside header, perhaps? <laughs> you never know. This is MLS, yeah. and this is pro referees. I, We've seen worse.
0: I would say don't, don't be surprised for a little home cooking. Yeah. um but I, I I think this is a this is a dominant crew game um I think dominant it, i think I think it's an early goal first fifteen minutes they go one zero they add a second at that point and then the the, the energy at t q l is completely gone, and they see it out two zero i think there's something there's something to be said for how professional that three zero win was when we we had them at, at lower dot com field um that I think they they just they just how how you beat FC Cincinnati fits perfectly in 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 with how the Crew want to play on a, on a bare minimum level and so I like a very professional two zero dose zero, um, you know score line that we all know you know that that's that's famous in uh, in, in Columbus soccering you know kind of lore um, and I think we add a little bit to it here at the club level um, two zero Crew. On to MLS Cup Final. I learned
1: something this past week, and not to bring up Ohio State-Michigan again, but against my better judgment, I picked Ohio State in that game. And uh, traditionally, when I've picked against the team that I would prefer to win, and you know I'm impartial when it comes to Ohio State, but uh, I'm going to pick Cincinnati, partially because of that. Partially, I just am concerned that they are this, like, Team of Destiny thing.
0: But I will say... They do have their on a, you know, on a mission from God yeah. kind of vibes yeah, but too. I, unquestionably, unquestionably. I will say,
1: as you've pointed out multiple times here, you and Bart, um, that they they felt a lot like Austin. Well, Austin season ended in the Western Conference Same finals last year. So I will be very happy to be wrong, but I will say 3-2 Cincinnati just to make people hate me. But um, know that I'm usually wrong in these situations. So...
3: I am going to uh, one of the things that I appreciate about um, FC Cincy fans uh, again is is the great banter that we get from uh, you know get from them throughout. Um, you know I, I, I've been and I notice you know they they, they travel well um, and of course they show up and they show out um, um, at home and I really appreciate you know the thoughtfulness that they put into uh, you know when it seems like when they're in the Bailey it's it's like. You know, when you are getting onto a plane and you want to make sure you've got the stewardesses and um, flight attendants that point out where all the exits are and everyone takes note of that. So when and if you need to exit um, uh, suddenly, that you're able to do it in a, uh, you know, a a orderly fashion, an orderly fashion. And I've seen that displayed by the FC Cincy fans in the Bailey, um, you know, whether it's in Nippert or whether it's in Tickle Stadium uh, or whether they're traveling, you know, the way that they're able to get the, you know, they make the is it a fire drill um, joke, but it is, it is, it is impressive. No one Irish goodbyes like FC Cincinnati no, fans. the way they are able to do it, just so orderly, nothing like that. And, and I think we're going to see that on display here. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going with a 3-1 crew win. I like uh, crew... Uh, getting ahead early, um, uh, uh, I do think you know Lucho Acosta um, is is a you know extremely talented player. I think he, he's going to be hard to keep off the board. Whether you know, especially in a, in a situation where Cincinnati's playing from behind and countering, and so you know he does get a goal or, or, or helps create a goal. But but I think the the villain of uh, um, you know this series. Uh, Cucho gets himself at least one and then I I really liked what Brian mentioned and I do think Steven Marrera who of course had that legendary goal in Tickle Stadium who was inches away from doing it again this year Uh, I think he does get his goal in Tickle Stadium here and I think we're going to say he's got the game winner and then uh, Josh Williams the dagger (laughs) there you go you heard it here first from Bart Logan Josh Williams getting his first appearance in the 18 all season subbed on in the Easter Conference Final. <laughs> That'd be something. That would be something. Um,
1: and the we'll, Cincy fans leave uh, 82nd minute. Okay. We'll see how it goes. If you are a crew fan who is looking to go to Cincinnati, the lottery through the Nordic, you have to be a Nordic member, is open. Uh, There are not many tickets available for this traveling group, so uh, get in on the lottery. I believe it closes at 6 p.m. on Tuesday evening, and the winners will be uh, announced around 8 p.m. If you are a Nordec member and you don't want to go, enter the lottery anyway, because I know plenty of people who are looking for tickets, and I guarantee you if you DM me on Twitter, I can find someone to take those tickets off your hand. Anyway, we've gone
2: how long now, Sam? Almost a hundred and. Someone divide that by minutes.
0: sixty for me. I can't do math. It's almost it's two an hours. hour and forty-eight well, minutes. To and two three.
3: hours than it is one and a half. Yeah.
0: All right. I'm uh, not here for math.
3: For
1: Brian from afar, Brett, Sam, Bart, send us out, Bart.
3: Bye, buddies.